let's take a moment and just pause before we look into God's word this morning, asking him to continue us on this walk with him, this journey that he's brought us on. Let's pause. Father God, we know that you have designed us to hear from you, to be able to listen for your voice. We thank you for your word because it helps us to hear it. It helps us to discover who you are and what you are doing on the earth today in our lives through the life of Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for revealing him in the gospels. Thank you for the way that he ministered love and life to the hurting and to those who are in need and to everyone who would listen. For Lord, we all have sinned. We need a savior and you sent your son to be that savior for us. That is the good news. Help that news to change us and then use us to change the world. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Glad you're here this morning. I know some people will be joining us uh, probably at 11 or 11.15. Welcome them with open arms. Thank them for coming and thank them for going because we'll be on our way out. But uh, it's not always easy to change the clocks and to get ourselves aligned with what's happening. Uh, and so um, it's a little bit difficult for, for all of us uh, to get ourselves going. If you're a little sleepy, you can always stand up and praise the Lord and then sit back down again. Keep yourself awake. Uh, but we're glad you're here this morning. We've been looking at... Well, we've been walking in this new year in what we're calling a series calling the walking in the spirit. We have, yeah, we do have slides here this morning. Um, And last week we started and this week we're going to finish a message that God gave me for you and for me called his powerful purpose. We were beginning to creep into the book of Acts. We haven't gone very far because what happens at the very beginning of the book of Acts is that God pours out his power on his people. He gives his spirit to his people. And we discovered last week that his spirit is the spirit of Christ. It's not a different spirit. We have one God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in one. Yes, it's a mystery, but it's a truth as well that we have to hold on to and hold firmly. In Romans 8, uh, verse 9, it says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. So all Christians have the spirit of Christ. Otherwise, they have not received their salvation yet. Jesus would be continuing his ministry, his present tense ministry, meaning now, his now ministry, through his people. Through the people that receive that power, through you and me, when we receive Christ and we receive the spirit of Christ in our lives, Jesus wants to continue his ministry. He wasn't finished when he ascended after he had risen from the grave. He wasn't finished with his work. He was going to actually expand his work to the whole world, to Jerusalem, the whole city, to Judea, the whole region, to Samaria and beyond to the ends of the earth. He was going to do that through his spirit, which now is able to reside within us because of the cross. He could not live within us without the blood of Jesus cleansing us and making us a holy place for God and his Holy Spirit to reside. 
You see, Christianity is a relationship with the living spirit that actually lives within you. Sometimes we get distracted from that. We get distracted from our purpose, but we need to be reminded that it's always all about Jesus. It's about what he is doing in you and through you in the world today. We can look into the end of time through the book of Revelation, through how the Spirit shared this with the Apostle John, and we can see that everything, everything surrounds Jesus. Everything is centered around him and what he did for us. And he came with a purpose. He didn't come for a vacation. He didn't come and get, and get treated well. He, got, he, he came, he, he, teach, he taught his word, he taught us what God is really like, and then he was crucified for us so that we could be saved because all mankind was lost in sin and we couldn't find our way back to God. We needed a leader. We needed someone who could show us the way. And Jesus came, fully God and fully man, to show us the way back to God. In John 19.10, which was where we ended last week, we said, for the Son of Man, these are Jesus' words, talking about himself, he refers to himself as the Son of Man, came to seek and to save those who were lost, or what was lost. Jesus is still looking for the lost. He's found many of us, but he's still looking for the lost. He's still seeking the lost, and he's doing that through his church, through those who follow the commission, the, the mission that he's on, we join it and it becomes a co-mission, both of us doing it, desiring to reach the lost. This is the ultimate purpose of the church in the world today, that those who are lost can be found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 2, 2, he said that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not only for our sins, John is speaking to the church, not only for the sins of the church, those who have been found, but what does it say? Let's read it. For the sins of the whole world. Now, sometimes we have a hard time with that because we think some people are really bad. Like their sins, they're probably not going to make it. But this verse contradicts that feeling. Sometimes we feel like, you know, sometimes we think that's ourselves. Oh, God, how could you save some uh, poor, wretched sinner like me? Because he died for the sins of the whole world. Not just one people group. Not just one church group. Not just one generation of people who got to live at a special time in history. No, the whole world, which is still revolving, as far as I can tell today, we're still on the earth. We haven't yet reached heaven. He died for that. His sacrifice was so powerful. The power of what he did affected the whole world. But we have a purpose. He didn't just magically snap his fingers and everybody was saved. He designed us to listen for his voice. And I believe that every human being on the earth is searching for God. Somewhere deep inside of them is a desire that can't be filled, a, an itch that can't be scratched until they find Jesus. They find peace and wholeness only in Christ. Romans ten fourteen says, but before people can pray to the Lord for help, they must believe in him. Huh. And before they can actually believe in the Lord, 
They must hear about him. And for anyone to hear about the Lord, what does it say? Someone must tell them. So the process, the way that God designed us, he's the one who put us together. He designed us so that there's a process to coming to him, to that place of belief. We cry out for help to him, but we don't know that he exists until we believe that he exists. We put our faith in him, but we can't put our faith in him until someone tells us that he is real, that he died for you, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you. And it's not to destroy you, but it's to give you life and to give you wholeness and to give you fullness, not just for now, not just for the next few decades, but for eternity. The purpose of Jesus is the same. In Romans 10, 17, it goes on to say, so then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a spiritual thing, a transaction that takes place where faith is born Hope is born. Desire for God is born when we hear about God, when we hear about what Jesus did for us, when we hear about his mercy and his love, when we read about his power to forgive, his power to change people's lives and rescue them from the gutter and bring them up into a full life in him, an abundant life as we talked about, one that's meant to be free and one that's meant to be fruitful. Jesus is still doing that work on the earth today. Do you believe that? And are you part of that? Have you, first of all, received that? But are you part of the team, the church, whose whole purpose is to continue to seek and to save those who are lost? I hope you are. And I hope you will continue to join us in the work that God has called us to. Because I want you to know that God has you, 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 and you, each, each individual one of you, on the earth at this time for a particular purpose. You're here for a reason. You're not an accident. You're not a reject. You're here for a very special purpose. Every one of you are designed by God. He loves that design. He put it in there in the first place. He created us for this purpose. So we have to discover what is our purpose. Do you want a hint? Anybody? There is a man who lived, he was a pastor actually. He lived uh, Last uh, century, in the 1800s, his name was William Arnott. And William Arnott said this, that for man to understand his purpose, he understand that it's a twofold purpose. He put it this way, to every true Christian, these two things must be said. You have need of Christ And Christ has need of you. 
you have a need for Christ. But Christ has a need for you. We often don't feel that way. We think, well, you know, God's got this. God's in control of everything. God, you know, God's just doing his thing and I'm over here on the sidelines. That is not why the spirit of God has come to live within us. To sit on the sidelines. To twiddle our thumbs spiritually. There's a purpose. There's a reason. Why would God bring himself into your life? And leave you here. Otherwise, when you became a Christian, you, your body would drop dead. You'd be instantly in heaven and spend the rest of eternity in glory. We often just focus on our own salvation. Oh, I'm so happy I'm saved. I'm so happy that if I get hit by a train or a truck or if my plane falls out of the sky, I'm all set. I got my fire insurance. I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus. I'm so happy. Guess what? That's only part of the story. The other part is you have a purpose and you should be happy about your purpose as well. You should be joyful that God, that God would humble himself and use someone like you, someone like me, someone who's not perfect, someone who's broken, someone who's a little quirky in this world to do what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save the lost. To bring the joy of salvation to the whole world. This is why God has created the church. This is why Pentecost happened. It was not to give us a special language to pray in. It was not to make people act really excited in church. It was to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, we can be excited in church. We can speak in a special language when we pray. Those are all benefits. Those are side benefits, like a a long list of great things that God gives us, along with the purpose that we have in life, individually as Christians and corporately as a church. When a church stops reaching out for the lost, When the church stops praying for salvations to come to those who don't know Christ. When the church stops supporting missionaries. When the church stops going out and doing outreach like they will this afternoon downtown Worcester. When the church stops those things, the church dies. Maybe that branch gets cut off from the vine. It's no longer fruitful. It's no longer useful for the master. It's over. We know we can just look, go down on on any of the main streets in any of the cities, whether it's in Worcester or down in Boston or any of the, the cities that have been around for a while. There are churches that have been changed. They've been closed down, sold to a business. Now an architect owns it. Now a counseling center is in there. But there's no longer any people there reaching the lost, finding the lost and bringing them to Christ. This one church up in, up even in West Princeton, I guess it's been converted into a house. Somebody lives there with their family. That was a house of God. That was a place of prayer. That was a place where the lost could come and be rescued and found and hear the good news. But no more. It stands empty or it's used for some other purpose. We don't want that happen to our church, do we? No. That's why we open up our doors. 
That's why we continue to work hard, and it's not easy. It's, it's hard work sometimes in the field for God, but we do it for his purposes. We do it for his glory. We do it so that those who are lost can be found because we understand we were lost too. And someone told us the good news. Somehow. Maybe at a Billy Graham crusade. Maybe you read a little track. Maybe your grandma shared it to you when you sat on her knee. Somebody shared with you the love of God. And faith began to grow. And belief began to come. And at some point, you asked him to come into your life. To forgive you and to give you a whole new life and a whole new purpose. See, the truth is, God's powerful purpose, the purpose for his power, is to make us witnesses. To make us salt and light in the world. So that Jesus can continue to do what Jesus came to do. But he's going to do it through, through multiple sources. Sometimes I think about that verse where Jesus said to his disciples, you're going to do greater things than I have done. And some people try to imagine, like, how could you do greater things than the miracles that Jesus did? Jesus reached a small group of people in a small region of the world. In fact, he didn't even want to, like, go over the border. You know, he, he, he was called to a very small group. The group that was there in Acts 2, 120 people. Now, Jesus, son of God, who was doing miracles, who was raising the dead, who was multiplying food at the very end... Of his ministry here, there was about 120 faithful followers. Now, there's a lot more faithful followers on the earth today, aren't there? And in all the ages that have come since Christ, millions, maybe billions of people have come to be followers. So the church, by sharing the faithful message of the gospel, has done greater things than Jesus has done himself. They've reached the world. They've reached different languages and cultures. They've reached different generations. They've reached different people groups than Jesus ever reached. He did it through them. That's a greater thing. Because God's desire is to rescue mankind. He finds no pleasure in their destruction. He finds great pleasure in their reconstruction. In bringing people back to him. In re designing them by the power of his spirit to be all that he intended for us to be. And we've only got a tiny taste of it here on earth. So what is it that God left you on earth to do? Let me put it another way. What is it that we can do on earth that we can't do in heaven? Now, we're going to sing in heaven... And we can sing on earth. We're going to pray and praise and, and adore God in heaven. And we can do that on earth. We're going to fellowship with people, with believers. We're going to fellowship with believers. Some that have lived before us. Some that may live after us. We're going to have great times of deep fellowship. Deeper fellowship than we've ever had before. We'll do that in heaven. But we can fellowship here on earth. This list could go on and on, the things that we can do in both places. But think about it. 
there is one main thing that you can do on earth that you will never do in heaven. Maybe there's two. Sin. (laughs) Not the topic of the sermon today. You can't do that in heaven. But sharing the truth of Jesus with a lost person and bringing them to him. You can tell a lost person about Jesus here. You can't tell a lost person about Jesus in heaven because they already found him. This is our purpose. This is your purpose. This is my purpose. This is all of our purpose together. We are to tell the lost about the love of God for them. There will be no lost people in heaven. So if you're going to tell them the good news, you got to do it now while you're here on earth. What are we waiting for? The perfect opportunity. Somehow we've built in our heads. I got to get to a perfect place in my life so that I can be a witness. You already are a witness. You're either a good witness or a bad witness, but you are a witness. He made you a witness when he gave you new life. You're either an obedient witness or a disobedient witness, but you're a witness right now through your life. People are watching you. People are listening to you. People are seeing you at work. People are seeing you at school and you are witnessing every word that comes out of your mouth, every attitude you take, every action is a witness. That's a little scary because sometimes I'm a bad witness. Hopefully, sometimes I'm a good witness. I hope that I'm growing to be a better witness. But I am a witness for Jesus. If I call myself a Christian, and I do, if you call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, and you do, then everything you do, every encounter you have with someone at the grocery store, at work, in the neighborhood, is a witness. I get a little scared by that. But then I remember the truth. The truth is that Jesus, the best witness that ever was, lives in me. I am the temple for his Holy Spirit. So I shouldn't worry about witnessing because Jesus is in there and there's nobody better than Jesus who died for them, who loved them with a a love that brought him to the cross for them who has a compassion for them so deep that I can't get there. He lives in me and he lives in you. And we just have to let him out. Let him out. Let him speak through you. Let him pray through you. Let him serve through you. Let him be your life for he is truly your life. Scripture teaches us that. He is our life. He lives within us and he lives through us when we let him out. You see, Jesus came to announce the kingdom of God is here. It is coming. It is here. The kingdom of God is here. Over a hundred times Jesus spoke about the kingdom because the kingdom was the beginning, the opening of a place where salvation can come to us through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to preach the kingdom. You see, 
The apostle John, he got it. He even wrote about it. In John 20, there's a slide there, Elvin, back a few. In John 20, verse, verses 30 and 31. He wrote this down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God, and that is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John wrote his testimony down. I'm sure he also spoke his testimony. I'm sure he also lived his testimony, but we have a record of that disciple who wrote down why he was writing this so that you could believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you also may have life in his name. That was John's purpose. That's also your purpose. You live that others around you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of God, and that by believing they may have life everlasting in his name. That's why you're breathing right now. Because there are those around you and me who have yet to believe that Jesus is the son of God. They need evidence of it. They need proof of it. According to Romans 10, 14, People cannot believe unless they hear. Somehow there's a a transfer, a seed, something that is planted. Jesus came to bring the good news of the kingdom of God, that there is a God who loves. There is a God who will lay down his life to bring them to himself. He came to bring that message, but he's also bringing it through you. He's doing it through me. He's doing it through the church on the earth today. So Jesus' spirit has come to make Us living, breathing witnesses to the life of Jesus. Elvin, there's a slide for that. Spirit made you to be a living, breathing, if you are still living and breathing. Witness to the life of Jesus. Now, we think of the word witness, this guy in court, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, truth, so help me God. That's not a bad pledge. Maybe we should take that in church before we leave. God, I I swear to tell the whole truth about who Jesus is. The whole truth about what he's done for me. The whole truth about how powerful and loving and compassionate he is. I swear to tell the whole truth to the whole courtroom of people that you have placed in my life. At work, at home, in my neighborhood. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. And God is there to help you. You won't do it perfectly. Get over the perfect thing. Get over thinking you got to be perfect. You got to be like so holy. You got to be so wonderful. You You don't. He is, but you don't. You have to rely on his grace, rely on his forgiveness, rely on his love for you. Every moment of every day. When you fail, when you fall, when you sin, you cry out and say, God, forgive me. Give me back on my feet again. Give me back on track again. Help me to be what you want me to be. Be humble about yourself. If you could become perfect here on earth, guess what? No one could stand you. You know those people who act like they're perfect. I can't stand them. God, forgive me. I have fallen again. Wash me clean. Help me walk in. 
enjoy, you know. But, but there's people who act like they're perfect, right? They never do anything wrong. There's, their nose is really long and they look down the end of it at you. You know, oh, you pitiful, horrible person. That is no way to witness to the love of Jesus. He made himself a servant and washed the dirty feet of the disciples. He was not proud. Love can't be proud. Scripture tells us that. Love is not proud. It is not boastful. It is not self-seeking. It doesn't make it puff itself up. God wants to spit that out of his mouth. I am sure of it. It says in Scripture, he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Just be humble. Just share lovingly, compassionately with people around you. They need love. They need your acceptance and they need your your compassion for them. They're lost. They're hurting. They're broken. They're wounded. You were too. They don't act nice because they're hurt. You didn't either. Some of you still don't. You're getting there. Holy Spirit's working. He's trying to change you. Cooperate, please. Me too. We are left here to be a witness. I want to read again to you. Maybe we should all just be memorizing this, this, these beautiful words of Jesus in Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who's in the house. In the same way, I beg of you. I'm adding that. I beg of you. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. They see your good deeds Faith is born in them. They come to know God through their salvation in Jesus Christ, and they join you in praising Jesus forever and ever and ever around the throne. This is the purpose of our lives, to be his witnesses. When we lose our purpose, we are no longer fruitful. When we lose our purpose, we are no longer free. I think that's when we fall into the bondage that the enemy wants to tie us up with. Keep our mouths shut. Open your mouth. Do the good deeds. Some of you are in, introverts, right? You're, you're kind of shy. You don't like to talk to strangers, whatever. You know, you, just be good to people. Just love them. Just serve them. Just give to them. Be generous. Be, be what God has been with you. Your actions do speak louder than words. 
Your actions need to line up with your words and your words need to line up with your actions. But actions do speak louder than words. If they see your kindness, if they see your deeds, your, your sacrificial living, your washing of their feet, if they see that and they experience that, they've got to wonder, what's with this dude? I never met anybody like him. I'd like to be like him or her. How do I become like him or her? She seems so free. She seems so joyful. She seems so purposeful in her life. She's not wasting her time watching, you know, reality TV, The Bachelor or something. She's not doing that with her life. She has a greater purpose than that. Her purpose is to bring life to those who are now dead. Those who are no longer living because spiritually they have died because sin has done its work on them. But they can be risen to life like she or he has been risen to life. And they can live in the joy and the abundance that Jesus came to give. If the church will do its work on the earth today. If we don't, we will soon die off and cease to exist. We will be extinct which God will not allow, but he might allow in tiny little pockets. Extinction. Extinction comes when we stop sharing the gospel, when we stop being loving, when we stop sharing with our lives and with our words. Then the extinction begins. One by one, we die off because we only got so many years here on earth. We may be close to Jesus, But the people around us have no clue. They don't see him. They don't hear about him. He's like a mystery from the past. Something from days of old. Wake up, America. It's already happening. It's already happening. But God has a plan. God always has a plan. When days look dark... When things seem impossible, that's when God shows up. That's when revival comes. That's when people who are desperate for God get on their faces, get on their knees, and they say, God, help us. Help us, fill us, use us, make us lights again. Help us to shine brightly for God. No matter what people say about us, because we don't care what they say about us. Do you know what they said about Jesus, the Son of God? How insulting, how disrespectful they were to him. You think you're better than him? (laughs) You might get insulted. Especially living in Massachusetts. Maybe if we went down south with some Bible thumpers, they'd be like, oh, hallelujah, glad you're here. Not, Not up here. No, no. There's a lot of reputation and rumors and and stuff about Christians that people have believed. And so, you know, oh, you're one of them. Have you ever gotten that at work, Olivia? Oh, oh, you know, keep that to yourself. You know, that stuff's scary, you know. You people are hateful. You're awful, you know. We have to prove them wrong. We have to walk in the spirit in such a way that the power of God makes a noise in their hearts, draws them to himself. This is what it means to be his witnesses. Be my witnesses. Last week we introduced the song to build your kingdom here. 
this is like a prayer. You don't have to sing it. I don't care if you sing. Matt will sing for us. <laughs> but the prayer, what the, the prayer that's in this song, that he would come and that he would show us, that he would use us to build his kingdom, is the prayer of the church throughout all time. It's been prayed in different words and different ways, but it's still, it's still the prayer that God's kingdom would come to us and then through us. God's love, God's compassion, God's grace, God's mercy, God's power, God's fellowship with, with others who are like you, the family of God growing on the earth today. Do you believe that that's your purpose? Have I convinced you so we can start to move on in the book of Acts? I want to convince you. I want to convince you. This is my job, convince you of this truth. We are here for that purpose and that purpose alone. Otherwise, you'd be in heaven right now, Donald. You'd be up there strumming your harp in the fullness of glory. But right now, you got some work to do. You got some words to speak. You got some actions to, to give, some love to give. And when you do that, his kingdom grows. Because that's how faith is spread on the earth, through God's faithful people. You know this, right? You know it. I need you to know it deep, deep, deep down in here, not just up here. Because Jesus is the truth. He didn't come to share knowledge truth. He came to be your truth. And all I'm asking you is to live your truth. Live out Jesus through your life in every way in every imperfect way even he can redeem it he can bring his kingdom through you 